welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to episode 38. Today I'm joined by Bianca. She's Brazilian-Canadian living in Canada with her husband. She's a former dancer and now works as a Pilates um, instructor trainer. Her details would also be in the show notes. So welcome, Bianca, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ola. I am so happy that we finally yes. got around. Finally, to right? <laughs> finally. <laughs> You're a dancer. I love that. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I am um, a classical dancer or former classical dancer. Um, I don't I don't dance anymore. But yeah, uh, growing up in Brazil, I was one of those like little ones, three to four years old. Um, my parents put me in ballet class. Oh. And I just like took to it. And, and that was my life for, for most of my life. Um, up to university, I went to dance university. Nice. Um, I started doing some different types of dance then, more contemporary and stuff. But yeah, that was all I wanted to do for my life. But wow. then when we end up moving to Canada from Brazil, <clears throat> excuse me, that was in 2006. Mm-hmm. I was going to be a dance teacher. That's what I was doing before we moved. And I ended up doing a Pilates course and which is sort of a long story but again I fell in love with it and and the then then the dance started staying behind me mm. a bit and then I became a Pilates instructor and then a Pilates instructor trainer which means wow. I teach courses nice. for people that are training yeah so hey you guys anyone wants to learn you know who to call right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so usually we start off with saying tell us a little bit about yourself which you've already done is there anything else you want to share about yourself before we oh. No, we can go into the, the fertility the stuff. Fertility stuff, if you want, yeah. And I'm yeah. sure things will come up about myself that I can, yeah, sneak in there too. Perfect. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about? Um, actually, no. Firstly, let's ask: How did you and your husband meet? I know you both moved from Brazil. Yes. So how did you guys yeah. meet? We're both from there. And my husband, although he was born in a different um, city, a small town, mm-hmm. that was like a, a closed community and stuff, very tiny. He moved to my hometown when he was about nine, I think. Mm-hmm. So we both grew up in the same town. And um, funny enough, when we met, we met at a nightclub, we were teenagers. Oh. So I was 17. He was 16. We're from the same year, but I'm just a, a few months older than he is. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we were both there in Brazil. It's a bit different than I find here in North America. Um, we start going out like way earlier. Oh, really? <laughs> when we were, yes. Like I started going out to parties like that when I was like, 13 to 14. So had older friends as well and stuff. Mm. So yeah, so a nightclub at that age. And then when we when we started exchanging you no know, phone numbers and um, started talking on the phone and then we decided to uh, meet again and we mm. lived like a few blocks away from each other. It was hilarious. Wow. So I just literally like walked to his house, had no idea. I had like never seen him before. Mm. And our hometown is small. 
um, not ridiculously small, but small. So when you went out, you would see like familiar faces, but for some reason we had never crossed paths and we started dating and then end of university, we decided that we would get married because I'm half Canadian. I always had the passport. Right. And I wanted to just live abroad for a bit and just experience that. My dad was always very encouraging of, um, of just like trying a different style of life and uh, quality of life is very different in North America than it is in Brazil. So although my dad is down there, he hates the cold, so he would never come back to Canada, (laughs) but he sent me here. So, so yeah, so we got married and then got all the paperwork for Mm -hmm. my husband, all the visa immigration stuff. And Yeah. yeah. And then we, and then we moved. And here we are. Yeah, right. Yeah, 15, 16 years later. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) So can you let's go a little bit into the fertility. Um, What's happened so far, your journey? Can you share that with us? Yes, absolutely. It's been a long ride. So this year is eight years since we started trying and a little bit longer since we stopped birth control which I know that for most for most people it's like that's when you really decide right yeah when you're ready yeah so so yeah so it's been a long time and it's been a huge yeah roller coaster right to say the least so lots of lots of ups and downs so yeah I traveled at that time um, about eight, seven, eight years ago, I was traveling a lot for work. Mm-hmm. So I would travel mostly to Asia, a lot to South Korea to teach Pilates courses. So that was super fun. And, you know, but I was getting a bit older in my like 30, 31. So we're like, okay, I think it's time we we start trying. And then whenever I get pregnant, I'll just stop traveling. That was my yeah. thought, right? <laughs> yeah. So because I know we're so, I guess, naive, and we never know what's going to happen. So we planned it very well, it, um, time wise, um, for mat leave and all that, too, which is so ironic thinking back. But we, yeah, we timed it. And then we started stop birth control, started trying a few months later, just to give my body some rest. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't happening. And I found out um, a while later that traveling, especially when it's so far, like so many time zones, like 12 to 13 hours difference, right from where I live to South Korea, it really messes up your cycle. which I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you're, when you're younger, it probably doesn't that much, but I started realizing, because I think I started traveling when I was, I think 27 ish. Mm -hmm. And at this time I was over 30 and I started noticing like my cycles would either get really short um, or really long. So like 20 something days and then 30 something days. And I'm like, okay, this is not a good thing, especially if you're trying to conceive. Yeah. So eventually we then decided that it was better for me to stop traveling. 
So I retired <laughs> from traveling <laughs> yeah. and I'm like hoping at, at some point, you know, when we have our kids and settled and stuff and they're older, then I'll travel again for work. But so I, we stopped that and, and then just started, then it, we had to investigate a bit. So I ended up being referred by my family doctor to a fertility clinic and we did all the tests and it was normal. So we were like one more case of unexplained infertility. Um, the doctor was super positive. She's like, you know, everything came back normal. Maybe you guys just need a little push and we're going to get you pregnant. And she was super positive. I remember like leaving the clinic, just like smiling, you know, I'm like, Aww. we're going to have a baby. <laughs> like by the yeah. end, I think it was, I think it was summer too, which makes you even happier in, in yeah. Toronto because it's the only <laughs> time that we have like warmth and sun. So for a Brazilian person, that makes a huge difference, like emotionally. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh my God, you know, by the end of the year, we're going to have, I'm going to be pregnant. And this is so exciting. And she recommended IUI. So we did that twice. And that was already scary. I, I laugh a little bit when I, when I talk about it, because it was about a thousand dollars, I think, per month. And that was a little bit scary. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of money, right? It Just is. out of nowhere when you're not expecting to spend any money when you're trying to yeah. make a baby. You're expecting that you'll, you'd spend a lot of money when you have a baby. Exactly. But not to make a baby, right? Maybe a nice dinner and some wine. Yeah, you know. And then you make and a baby. a good time and, you know. <laughs> Isn't that what people say? Yeah. Just have a glass of wine and relax. So yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah, <relax. laughs> definitely not the point here. It was de definitely not what happened. So that was scary. Just like spending that money, not having the guarantee. And one of the times that we did the, the IUI was not done by a doctor. It was done by one of the nurses. And the first month, um, that didn't work was fine. The second month, I even remember my husband sitting on a chair like next to the bed. He was inside the room with me. And this girl looked, bless her heart, she looked so young and just lacked the experience. Maybe she, she was probably more nervous than I was, it looked like. Mm. And it was horrible. There was blood that it was so, so oh, painful. No. I think she couldn't like smoothly get the little Ooh. tube through my cervix. It was not, she took it out and up, out and up so many Ooh. times. Yeah. And my husband was like cringing, dying, like next I'm to sure. me. So yeah. And I'm like, it's okay. Like I'm trying to calm <laughs> her down. <laughs> Not the way it should be. Hi, Ernie, right? <laughs> I know. So that was a horrendous experience. And then I had so much cramping afterwards, I think because it was so like traumatizing right yeah. from for my cervix and stuff so that was not cool and then of course it, it didn't work so two failed never had a, a positive um test um and then we and then that doctor went on mat leaf so wow. yeah, fun times when your fertility doctor goes on mat leaf. So then we got referred to another doctor, which is, um, I'll say right off the bat, I was not, I did not identify with her. And um, ever since like we, 
we did everything we did with her and we actually went back now to a different clinic with a different doctor that has worked much, much better for us, his approach and his personality and stuff. So I'll say that um, right off the bat, also just for people listening that you don't feel like you're stuck to one doctor if you don't. Yeah, because that's one of my biggest, I don't like to say regrets, but I Mm. just, because, you know, I I just knew what I knew at that time and I acted the best I could with my, you know, emotional state, which wasn't a good one at all. Um, But I felt like I was stuck with her. I felt embarrassed of asking around for other doctors and, and today, you know, it's, I feel like I, I could have totally done that. And I see other women doing that too. So I totally like try to advocate and, and speak out because we feel so intimidated and overwhelmed in those situations, especially so early on in the journey. And we feel, yeah, like we're just stuck and it was just not a good thing. That all being said, she's one of the best doctors in, in the city. One of the, yeah, her clinic is amazing. Um, So anyways, she ended up moving. She founded her own clinic. She left that one that we started. We followed her. And because again, we're like, we're, yeah, we're, (laughs) yeah. I didn't want to start from scratch as well. Again, yeah, right? You know? I've done all this from this far. I should just stay here. Yeah. And so in the end of the day, what happened, my diagnosis, let's say, was low AMH, so diminish ovarian reserve and the doctor just scared me so so much and um yeah thinking back again you know it's so just to to paint a bigger picture so people understand I did my first round of IVF in 2016 to 17 and we had three eggs because we only had three she did, we didn't test them because she's like, you know, it's only three. And even if they're abnormal, like you never know, they might end up a healthy baby. So I did, which I thought actually was quite humane of her to, and sensitive her to do that because we didn't want to end up with no chances at all. Right. So we didn't test them, but I have a feeling they probably weren't the best quality at that point. Um, And we only waited three days as well. We didn't wait for them to like five to six to, to become blastocysts. So we don't really know if they would have even survived. None of them worked. So then fast forward, um, to the, the, the next clinic that we went, that we started our treatment three years later. So just to, to paint that picture. So people understand, we get so scared with the, with the DOR low AMH diagnosis. And we think that like the clock is walking backwards on us and we get so scared of the time and the doctors paint also this horrible picture that, you know, every cycle your eggs are going rotten is what is, you know, the feeling that they give us. And so then this next round that we did um, was amazing. I had um, four eggs, that all fertilized and wow. all went to five days, Amazing. the first round. Amazing. And then, and remember this, I'm three years older. Exactly. Right. Not three cycles, you know, that my doctor didn't even want to let me wait, you know, God forbid mm-hmm. I, you know, waited three months to like take supplements or whatever. No, no, no. You're getting older. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. 
And, and then, so in this clinic, we actually did three rounds. So the next one, we have even more eggs and the third one, even more eggs. Oh, so you banked so eggs. Nice. We banked. Yeah. Again, because I was older and because of the results of my first round three years yeah. before, that's the only data that my new doctor had, right? Yeah. We, well, the only thing that we all had, which wasn't much also because we didn't test them and whatnot. So it's if when you look at the whole journey, and I know it's not like that for everyone, I know that people, you know, end up waiting a few months and have worse results later. So I'm not yeah. saying, you know, it's okay to wait all this time. But I think that we don't need to feel so, so desperate yeah. when we get this low AMH. And there are so many things the doctors are um, again, they know what they know, right? With their treat, with their um, training yeah. and their education. But there are things out there that you can do. There are supplements. There's a lot emotionally that you can do and energetically. I believe in that a lot too, yeah. um, that we can go into if you want. And again, there's the spiritual religious part for a lot of people as well that you can mm -hmm. work on that, that will affect your, because we're not just a, a uterus. That's how I felt mm -hmm. in the beginning that I was just a uterus with two ovaries that were just like getting so, so old. Yeah. You know, my, my first doctor said, um, your AMH is worse than a, a 40 year old that I've seen. Sometimes and I was 30 at the time. Can you imagine? Like you need to be better at giving out messages. I, I don't understand. I don't either. And this is a woman. About, yeah. A woman too, right? Like a you woman. should know better. And a woman that had went through for, uh, had gone oh, through for That's the worst. Because you think seriously, you know how it feels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. But again, it's a thing of personality, you know, because she was like, Bianca, you need to get out of your head and just realize that this is what you need to do. Like I've done this. I've been there before, uh, you know? So she, she used that experience, but the way that she used it with um, gelled with her personality, personality yeah. which is just maybe a little bit stronger in the way, you know, yeah, maybe based um, on her experience as well. She figured that, no, you just got to snap out of it and just get this yeah. done. And yeah. 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 A little, a little bit like harder in, yeah. in that sense. And I'm more of a like mellow, yeah. emotional, like I'll cry over like a commercial. Yeah. Of, Most of us are, especially yeah. when you're going through this journey, right? You just, yeah. it just does that. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. That approach did not work emotionally. It didn't work. Um, another thing too, that, that I like talking about is the pio shots, the mm. progesterone in oil shots. Um, she was a big advocate of that. And I know a lot, a lot of doctors are, and she said there was no, like, there was no other option. This is it. Wow. And she, she guilt tripped me into doing those shots and she probably doesn't even know what she did you know because also I tried talking to her but I couldn't I could just talk to the nurses <sighs> the clinic was also like the on-call doctor so whenever I went oh. is yeah and she wasn't the on-call doctor for the majority of my consultations so, so I different doctors every much. time yeah 
Yeah. So I did that and the, the shots were not good for me. Like I know some people say, Oh, it's painful. And I get knots and you know, you have to massage. Like we did the whole thing and it just really did not work for me. And I was limping and I, I couldn't work. I could, I could barely walk. I was in bed and just crying, crying, crying. It was the worst. Like, I think we did it for about 10, 11 days for the first transfer. And then, and I kept calling them. I'm like, this is not right. Like I can barely do stuff in the house. I'm not working, which is also so stressful. It's like such a snowball that I find a lot of people that are not in this journey don't understand. Like you're not working, you're not making money. Mm-hmm. And that you have to pay for these treatments oh, that are so yeah. expensive. So the whole thing is together at the same together. Time. Yeah, yes. it's a snowball that just gets bigger and bigger. It was awful. And then I kept talking to the nurses, the nurses would talk to her. And, and then they're like, No, this is what she believes in. If do you want to do you want to have a baby? So oh, they would ask, Oh, brain. it was Yeah, totally guilt trip. Oh, wow. It was awful. So then I felt like, okay, if I'm not doing these shots, it's because I don't want it. I don't want want it enough. enough. Yeah. Which is, or I'm not doing my best. And then if I'm not doing my best, maybe I don't deserve to be a mom. You know, these are all things that we spiral down into and it's awful, awful. I can talk very lightly about it now because I've done a lot of emotional um, work but I couldn't even talk about it before I would just like start bawling my, my eyes out. Cause it was really traumatic, really, wow. really, really traumatic. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. And when you talk about, you know, of course, how expensive it was, is there any part of this that was covered by insurance or? Yes. So the, well, we didn't have any insurance at the time because both me and my husband were self-employed. So, but what we did have for that first round, the one that didn't work with the three embryos, Mm -hmm. we had uh, it funded by our um, public health system, which is amazing. So in Ontario, um, each couple under a certain age, um, 40 something, then they don't, um, they don't cover it anymore. Right. But um, so under that age, you have one per per couple or per person that is seeking um, treatment. And so they cover all the procedures, but you have to pay for the medication. So our medication alone um, was about eight thousand altogether for the stimulation and the three transfers. Ouch. Yeah, ouch is right because then we ended up with a lot of trauma no baby and eight thousand dollar debt and it's terrible isn't it because you want to do this right because you really want the baby but then you think how much money you're spending and yeah. taking out from wherever else you know yeah and there's no guarantees no and it's such a i don't know if other people feel like that but i always felt like guilt in so many different ways and aspects of this journey. So the guilt of spending the money Mm -hmm. and a little bit of um, anger as well. Right. Cause people are popping up pregnant left and right. Oh yeah. For, from, from a dinner and a glass of wine. (laughs) 
yeah. like we said before, right? <laughs> or a vacation, just take a vacation. Oh, just relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, the stuff we've heard all these years. Is and some are not even trying. I know. I don't know how this happened. I'm like, like, seriously, <laughs> let's go to biology class. Like, <laughs> did you not learn that? I don't know how this happened. I, that one just like, ugh, stabbing my heart. But the, what was I saying before? <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry. Went all on a tangent and then made you forget. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see now. I had a, I had a coworker say that. Oh, really? Like, oh my, yeah. Cause I had been, I think I was traveling. Um, and then I came back and she had a bump and I'm like, oh my God, congratulations. And, and she's like, yeah, I know. I don't know how this happened. Uh. <laughs> like, okay. I just walked away literally just, yeah. just like, turned yeah, my gonna, back and just yeah, walked I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> but then you're also talking yeah. about the, you know, the payment and you spent $8,000 and. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, the guilt, the, the guilt. guilt. Yeah. Yes. So the guilt of spending the money and the anger of people that around you that are just, just yeah. happening. And then the guilt of feeling guilty for spending the money. Yeah. Right. Cause because, it's like comparing if I wanted that much. I yeah. If I wanted that much, spend. then I should be willing to like mortgage my house yeah. and sell my Everything, yeah. mother to oh, the, yeah. you know, it's, and it's doesn't have to be like that, but yeah, it's like guilt, a lot of it in like different aspects for doing, for not doing it, for doing yeah. too much, for not doing enough. I know. Yeah. It's, and, it's a, and that's why it's yeah. a roller coaster, right? It we is. say, right. Yeah. And sometimes you spend so much money, people go into so much debt before even having the kids. And if they're lucky enough and the kids come, you just think, geez, how do you not get up the debt you, you're now into, right? Like, yeah. And yeah. there's still the additional cost of, you know, of course, raising the kids. It's, it's, yeah, because a, a uh, newborn and then, um, and then planning for, for school or daycare yeah. and, um, and then not working also. Yeah. for whatever time mat leave you're taking here we're lucky we get uh, mat leave for a year which is amazing but it's very yeah. capped yeah it's it is amazing and i'm so grateful because like if we were back in brazil the mat leave is not good yeah um, in nigeria is three months i think yeah yeah i think brazil is the same yeah it's terrible but it's yeah but it's capped so it's not like i'm getting my full salary yeah Mind you, COVID has been preparing us for that because I haven't got a full salary in about a year. Wow. <laughs> so we're so that's scary too. But in a way, it's like, you know what? We're learning to somehow manage it. Yeah. Not that we're not in debt, like everything that we had to pay of for, course, everything yeah. was um, yeah, loans and line of credits and stuff that we learned to we learn to manage and we plan. My lucky thing, my husband is very financially sound which right. i am not um God, so yeah. he is yeah so we have a good balance on that so he's always like pulling me back and like <laughs> okay we need to sit and we need to plan and so yeah i'm sure we'll we'll pull it together yeah. but it's it's not an easy thing no it's not and that's traumatic too right especially if you like if you've been a couple or if you're single whatever it is that you've been you know financially on 
the mm. right track, you know, your, your planner or not, but you've been, you know, you pay your credit cards in time and you don't have, and, and then all of a sudden you're yeah. like, I don't know, 10, 20, 30. I don't know how much, like a hundred I've had, yes. I've heard people saying a hundred thousand yeah. dollars that yeah. they've spent in order to have a baby. So it's very, very stressful. Yeah. So if you're out there, we understand you. Certainly. And yes. even apart from the financial aspect, it can also impact the relationship, the marriage. Absolutely. You know? Do you see that's been any impact or what impact has had on your relationship? Is it going to get closer or is it, how has it impacted you? Today, closer for sure. Wonderful. But through the journey again, because it has been so long, it yeah. was, it was quite rocky at, mm. at one point. Um, a lot of fights also with the I hate saying this part but I'm gonna say it anyways because I do believe it's true because of the hormones that we take yeah uh, we do get unstable that doesn't help. and <laughs> that doesn't help yeah. and I don't the reason why I don't like saying it um, too much just in case people misunderstand because there is a stigma of women being called hormonal yeah and crazy and, and dramatic bitchy and, stuff, and yeah. dramatic yeah mm, yeah so but but there is there is truth that the hormones do affect us and and even if you're not taking hormones, but if you have a hormonal imbalance, yeah, your emotions are going to be all over the place. And that's, that can be um, an issue. And of course, uh, the partners, whoever they are, they need to, to try and be understanding. So I remember, um, so the first IUI that we did that I was on Clomid mm. was <laughs> Clomid, hands, wow. hands down the worst yeah. drug. And I know Somebody's it's not crazy. for everyone, but crazy, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's not just me. No, no, no. That's when you said a clean does a woof. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was the one that, that affected me the most. I remember so clearly, I have no idea why we were fighting, but I threw the remote control mm. and I said the F word, which I say a lot, but not like to my husband, you yeah. know? directed at him I just say it in like light conversation <laughs> it was, and as soon as I did it it was like an out-of-body experience I just like saw myself but even then even being like so like weirded out and scared yeah. that I had just done it I still felt like I was a hundred percent yeah like on good the I got that, yeah. that across now you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I felt like, so like I was right. Yeah. And I had the, the, the right to do all of that. And, and then when it, when it calmed down, I'm like, Oh my God, who was, <laughs> who was that, that person? <laughs> it was awful. So going into IVF later, mm -hmm. um, I was so scared of the drugs. Yeah, of I was scared of the needles, like really, really scared of the needles. Mm. and that I've I've overcome thankfully through a lot of a lot of inner work a lot of yeah. meditation um that um helped but the the drugs did not affect me as oh, much yeah. but going into it I remember this time this fresh time that I was in a much much better space mm -hmm. I remember telling my husband I'm like look I'm going to be in slightly different drugs because the protocol was different we don't know how I'm going to react so what's going to happen is that whatever I say, 
yeah. that is offensive, annoying, <laughs> absolutely out of my mind. You're just going to shut up and walk away. So Good. that was our deal. That was our deal. And we literally talked just like that. And he looked at me funny and I'm like, it's okay. You know, maybe you're going to be angry, but then at least we're going to be apart. Yeah. It's not, you know, and then a few minutes later, it's all going to be fine. So I don't care what comes out of my mouth, (laughs) (laughs) just walk away. And he's like, okay. (laughs) And we actually didn't have a situation very much like that, but it's, we were both like on the same page that, that we do have to adjust, you know? And, um, and I think it's a big lesson. It's a big lesson that if you can overcome or a big hurdle as well, that when you overcome, you do end up stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. you come out stronger the other the other end, which I know it's such a cliche. But it's it's very true. If you you know, you're either like holding hands as you're going through it, or you're further apart because you understand you have to be there. Yeah, you know, as yeah. you know, just like, to, to weather the waters. Is that how they say? Yeah. And then, you know, and then when it calms down a bit, then you hold hands again. Yeah. Cause you don't need to be like strong and understanding and, you know, uh, all the time. Mm. It's hard be- for everybody. Yeah. It's yeah. Hard for both so people. hard. Yeah. It yeah. Is. It took me a long time. I think this might be um, a nice sort of lesson to understand that my husband there's he will never understand what it is to be in my situation yeah just as I will never understand what it is to be on his shoes to see me going through it right so it took me a while in the beginning it was a lot of resentment it was resentment because I needed to take the needles which I had a trauma and he like he's totally fine with the needles he's he was like happy to give me the needles of course he was nervous in the beginning because it was me but he was like fine he's not even that kind of guy that can't touch the needles and had to overcome that to do it with me. Like he was the, the, the strong person. I'm like, Oh my God, you know? So mm. I am the, let's say weak is a horrible word, but I was the one with the phobia. Let's just say yeah. that. And, and, and I'm the one that had to go through that. I'm the one that has to get my body through that. I'm the one that has to feel all the feels to like open my legs for the doctors every other days, every other day. It's just everybody so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the one that has to like be like having the feel, Oh, am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant on that two week wait? You know, while he's just going around hopeful, (laughs) that's what he's doing. He's like hopeful and, and, and walking around and, and, and things are fine, quote unquote, which is, it's not, he has his set of worries. He had his like trauma of like sitting on that chair while I was suffering with that IUI nurse. Right. And, and seeing me like bawling my eyes every single night going through those injections the first time, second time around was um, so much better. But it took me a long time to understand that he had his set of troubles while I had mine, whereas in my head at first was I'm the only one suffering here, you know, and, and, and when that changed, it, it really changed the dynamics, it changed the energy in our house, you know, 
we were laughing more again and and just being you know just being partners yeah really instead of me being the suffering wife and him trying to be supportive as he could but getting like slapped around by (laughs) me too because I was just so angry and sad the sadness the sadness really um really isolates us too right it does yeah so I think if you can try to find a way to cope with that alone in a way and understand all the different parts of the of the journey that you're going through personally, because no yeah. one will ever understand that, then it makes you a bit more open as well, I think, to understand your partners or even family, you know, maybe pe- some people are going through this journey alone. But maybe it's like a close friend that they that they have to um, rely on or a parent or a sibling all yeah. these people as much as they don't understand they um they're suffering in their own way as well yes they are. you know yeah like when we, we were joking about like stuff people say that is so mm-hmm. bad to the to people trying to conceive yeah. but if you yeah and and some things are just bad that people should just know better Mm-hmm. But but sometimes they they are, you know, in their way suffering too. And this is the only way that they feel like they can help. Yeah. Is by saying whatever it is, the, the stupid, annoying thing that they say. <laughs> but then if you know, if we take if we learn to take a step back and not be so angry, you know, yeah. because that anger as well just hurts us. It doesn't yeah. really hurt the other person. No, it just okay. hurts ourselves. Yeah. So that all of that has been such a, just a life lesson and, Mm. and really, I think brought us to the place where we wanted to be, or we didn't, not that we wanted to be, because we didn't know, Um, but it brought us to a place that we are the parents now that we want to be, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Well said. I love it because even... I'm glad that you both got to a place where you are now. You are happy and supportive. Uh, but even sometimes people need to uh, seek some kind of counseling or therapy just to have a better understanding and improve the communication. Because like you said, everyone is dealing with it differently. Uh, and he's trying to help you angry. And then it, sometimes it just gets too much. Yeah. And then you start feeling again too, like with whatever hormonal imbalance or just the feelings, the sadness, the anger, the frustration, you start feeling like you're not a a good match of a couple. That's what was happening in my head. Yeah. So then it was, again, we spiral into these thoughts that we, that, that was, that's what the meditation that I, I talk a lot about, um, on my like podcast and, um, the Instagram. And when I talk to just even regular people that are not going through this journey is what meditation taught me is to avoid going down on that spiral of thoughts, whatever bad thought that you think. But yeah, like we had a lot of conversations that personally I initiated, it was never him, that maybe we weren't a good couple and we were just wasting each other's time. Mostly I would put me into Mm -hmm. the forefront and say, I think I'm wasting your time. And you're probably better off without me. And it wasn't because I'd never had that thought. Um, maybe you should just find a woman that can get pregnant. 
I know a lot of women do oh, have that are. thought, people which is that. super sad. Um, I had, yeah. I just had different sad thoughts, <laughs> just yeah. not that specifically one, specific one. It's, it's horrible to feel that way, but I just felt like we weren't a good match. Like I was annoyed all the time. We would fight all the time or we would just not talk for like two days, you know, because I was, that was my coping yeah. mechanism was the silent treatment. I, lot of, I know a lot of women do that. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's the worst. Um, yeah. So we had a lot of talks like that, which were so intense, you know, and, but looking back, it just, it just, again, gave us the certainty that no, we are, we are supposed to be together. And, yeah. and this is, we are going to fight through this. Wonderful. yeah and you That's talked crazy. about support as well you know yes within yourself and your husband but also friends do you have friends or family members dealing with something similar or how have you found support outside your husband yes um i have yes i do have close friends ironically here in canada um my close friends don't have kids okay. so none of them understand by choice right mm -hmm. so none of them really understand this urge mm -hmm. that I that I have of yeah. having of wanting kids so bad and like doing all, everything all that we've done yeah yeah mm -hmm. so it's sort of funny but we are close and they're really um empathetic people these are not the the people that I've heard silly things from mm. for sure um my family in Brazil no one um, had any trouble. I always joke that when like a, a few years into the journey, my mom said one day, she said, you know, I also had, um, I also had a bit of trouble um, getting pregnant with you. And I'm like, oh my God, you never told me that before. What was it? And she's like, yeah, I think it took about six months. And I'm like, oh. uh, <laughs> not really the same thing, but hey, <laughs> we're not going down that road. Uh, <laughs> but to her, to her, she thought he was right. Yes. She expected it to happen right away. So six exactly. months to her is a big deal. And you know, that's how yeah. it is. Everyone and she was different. pulling from that experience, yeah. which yeah. was probably not a good one for her. Yeah, so, exactly, right? Yeah, so again, you know, if you're on that um, angry, sad space, that space yeah. I was in for so many years, you just you just get angry. And that's yeah. when you like go to a forum and say, oh my God, I can't believe that so-and-so told me that and blah, blah, blah. And then that just spirals, right? Because then other people are going to be like, oh my God, you should stop talking to her. Oh my yeah. God. And then it just snowballs into a huge, which is fair. Like people are trying to support mm -hmm. and give people like girl power, but yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's not uh, not very helpful. Um, but yeah, if you're in the, in, the, in the space where just like you said, you know, like like that was her experience yeah. and it wasn't good for her at that moment. That's what she remembers. And she wanted to share. So that was probably the closest, but I do have a sister in the, in the UK okay. that, that went through again, about eight years. She has two beautiful boys today Aww. from IVF. Um, she had a long, long, tough journey as well. So when I was doing, um, I think the first round, deciding to do the first round of IVF, mm. that's when I started to, um, to be more in contact with her and mm. yeah, but it's, you know, it's so far and 
this sister of mine, we didn't grow up together. Okay. So we developed our more of our relationship through this, through that, which yeah. is which is quite cool as well in a way. Yeah. We have a we have a nice sort of bond through this and then and then just other stuff now, of yeah. course. Yeah, so we're closer important. that way. Very, that very people that have understand. Yeah. And I have um, more, more, um, well, not more recently, but I'm trying to remember. Yeah, no, the first IVF, because I remember limping to her house and crying and she's like, I'm going to make you tea from the Pio shots. (laughs) (laughs) And she was doing it at the same time. Um, But she's in a a different situation. She did IVF mostly because she was getting older, because she actually did have a biological child before, but then she had a a miscarriage and she was a bit, yeah, she was a bit scared of like time um, going back, which I totally understand as well. But again, you know, she still didn't understand my um, situation because she could have biological children if she, yeah, yeah, kept going and stuff maybe. Um, And she already had one. So it was, it was a little bit different, but we went through it together. Like we understood, um, like we, we would talk about our husbands, you know, and we were frustrated (laughs) and just vant a little bit when we had to. And, um, like when we were like crazy with the hormones a little bit and, you know, just talking about, Oh my God, I have so many appointments. So that was really helpful as well. Absolutely. And if anyone doesn't have that, I do find that the, the forum chats and of course, you know, like what you're doing with the podcast and just listening to people, the Instagram community that we're into is so beautiful and supportive. It really, really is. So I find that like, I didn't have that my first round. And, and I think that this was, it was also nice at this, this time around to have just a little bit more support from the from the community itself yes it's so yeah. crucial it really mm-hmm. helps to make things uh i mean just helps doesn't necessarily i can't say anything makes it better but it helps to have people to support you and have exactly. understanding yeah uh no i know that you you said initially that you grew up in brazil i just always try to ask maybe there's a difference in cultures and how fertility or infertility is seen in Brazil versus in North America now do you remember if there's anything different or perhaps people that you speak to back home yeah I know I know a couple of people that that have been through this journey or are still in it yeah that actually some some that I found through my sharing that they came approached me or maybe just like friends through Instagram or Facebook and stuff. And they're like, Oh, I'm going through it as well. And then we became a bit closer um, chatting about this, but um, I know that it's just as expensive. Mm -hmm. It's just as privileged, you know, as we know it is Um, the, the depending on, you know, your income and stuff and your situation, it's very challenging. Um, One thing that is cool is that Brazil actually has, I think a lot of people don't know that we have public health. Okay. I, I didn't which know that. is, yeah, which is a system that is amazing, except it's really corrupt in a way, mm. um, as everything is in, in a developing country, you know, all yeah. the different parts of, of the system. But it it does work very, very well in a lot of different um, areas. Even the other day, I was talking to my husband about the vaccines, you know, for COVID and stuff. And 
Um, not that the vaccination for COVID is is doing great there right now. It's it's a little bit slower than maybe it should. But we have a system that works, you know, when they do vaccination campaigns for other issues in Brazil. Yeah. It just like millions of people in like one day just get vaccinated oh. or kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good. So they have a good sort of system in play. And again, you know, sometimes it works um, very well. Sometimes it doesn't, but with the fertility, I, what I've heard is that if you put your name on the list, you could get coverage and you could get different things covered by the, the public health system. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. Which is good. But again, it's very, it's just time. It yeah, takes a yeah. long, long time to get called and to being on this waiting list. So mm. the people I know are just doing everything out of pocket and you either have savings to go through it or you just like what we said, you know, you remortgage your house, you yeah. get lines of credit and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I, all my fertility journey, I was here in Canada. So right. personally, I don't, I don't have any experience there, but we do have like amazing, um, doctors and stuff. Okay. That's there good that, yeah. Very well, well known, um, as well. And cause I, I did have a few friends recommend, recommend me, Oh, check this guy online. Like he's like one of the top in the world that talks about this and one of the only ones in the world that is doing this new technique of whatever, you know, yeah. in artificial insemination and, and all the different um, ways that you can, you can treat to, to conceive. So, so yeah, so there's a lot of that, but I, I haven't personally experienced it. That's yeah. Good. That's pretty good. Um, and just actually, when we are speaking about, you noted earlier that you're, the other cycles that you did, you got a lot more eggs than the initial one, initial cycle. And of course you did um, egg banking and that you thought you did some things different. Perhaps you ate differently or, you know, other things that you tried. Can you tell us about other things that you tried and perhaps how the other cycles went afterwards? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's one of the, the things are my most passionate about. It so is. it's obviously <laughs> like, yeah, it's obviously not one thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, everything I said worked for me, doesn't mean it's going to work for, for everyone. But yeah. the first thing um, that happened is that I went to my osteopath and I remember um, him and I hadn't been to him in a while, like a good, maybe three to four years. Mm -hmm. and I went to him because I have an issue on my back and stuff so he looked at my tummy and he's like wow you're bloated and I'm like and I got all defensive I'm like no I'm just older you know and I just have a (laughs) tummy because every woman starts getting a tummy (laughs) and so I got a bit defensive I crossed my arms over my tummy and he started treating me an osteopath or and this particular guy is just so so amazing very holistic, you know, he never just looks at what I say is bothering me, always the whole body. And he has a good understanding of like palpating um, internal organs and stuff. And he's like, no, you're like very inflamed your digestive system. I would recommend that you try getting off gluten because gluten is very inflammatory. Have you ever done that? I said, no. Um, And then, so that was the first thing that I did. And it was life changing. It really was Um, because I never realized that you weren't supposed to feel crappy every time you eat. 
literally I would feel bloated and tired. Yeah. But I thought, you know, I just had a big meal. So that's normal. It's not something that you talk about with people, right? Oh, no. So I just thought that was a normal thing. Oh, my tummy's like distended. Yeah. Because I just ate. I just that's ate. normal. <laughs> yeah, that's what but I thought too. <laughs> it's not. It's totally not normal. Uh, so so that was the first thing that was really, you know, my body was just inflamed. And then when I saw that I made a difference, I said, okay, I actually need someone to help me. You know, my osteopath is not a nutritionist. He's not a naturopath. He was just from his own experience helping me out. And we're very friendly because I've been treating with him for like probably over 10 years now. Mm. So, um, so that was just a tip, you know, out of the top of his head. I'm like, I need a professional to help me through this because if this is one thing made such a big difference, there's probably other things happening in my body as well. And I grew up with um, homeopathic medicine. Hmm. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't know, but it's alternative medicine. um, Amazing. Always worked. um, Unless we had something like really serious that needed antibiotics. We always went with um, homeopathic remedies. That was my growing up in Brazil. And Mm -hmm. I kept it going after I moved here. So I was always into more into the alternative than the allopathic medicine. So I said, okay, I'm going to go into a naturopath that a friend of mine was recommending for the longest time, but he was very, very expensive. His consultations expensive and his medication was expensive as well. The supplements that he prescribed himself. So I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I might as well go full out you know? And then at that point, we had decided to stop the treatments. Mm -hmm. So I said, Okay, you know, we're not going to pay for IVF for a while. um, If that's the case that we need to do it again. So I'm just going to put all my money on this. So I started a naturopath. And one of the first things that so two things that were super important, he realized I had candida. Um, Candida is like an yeast. Um, that we all have, but if it grows too much in your body and it it creates a big imbalance, like the bad bacteria versus the good bacteria that we have in our gut and, um, and stuff, and even like our um, vaginal flora, that kind of, um, stuff, Mm. then, then it becomes an issue. Um, and you know, I started understanding with him as well, how the digestive system is so connected to fertility because it's so close together, right? So imagine like your, your intestines, colon or whatnot, and your uterus and ovaries, they're so close your bladder as well. Right. So Mm. the, you know, how well your kidneys are function, all of that. They're, they're all connected by fascia as well, which is a connective tissue that sort of keeps things tight. tight. They're not all loosey goosey, right? Sliding mm. off each other. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, so imagine like if you have an inflammation in the digestive system and in your intestines, then it's like pushing onto your ovaries or your uterus or your, yeah. your bladder, the same, right? If your bladder is irritated by like a UTI, we know how close yeah. that's connected as women, right? We know how well yeah. that's connected with your reproductive um, organs as well. So all of that was addressed. I had kidney issues as well. So digestion, the candida, which is the yeast infection, and my kidneys. He didn't even want to talk about fertility. Wow. 
you know, but in the end of the day, he was actually treating my fertility because when you balance those things out, things, it's a whole system, right? Like an orchestra, I say, if you have an orchestra and, you know, you have a couple of instruments that are out of tune, it's going to sound horrible. Yeah. And maybe for a year that, you know, if you're just someone that doesn't know music and instruments like me, I go to see an amateur opera, I wouldn't mm. know much of the difference. It's still <laughs> going to sound beautiful to me. But yeah. then you go to the naturopath that is the specialist, right? He's like the maestro. Um, he's listening to those instruments out of tune. He's like, no, I need to fix this because this sounds horrible, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. So that was the a big, big part of my that's called my recovery, you know, from, from all of that and all of that, that I had done as well. My birth control, I took birth control for over 14 years. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was a big deal for him to, to just clean out my liver, et cetera. So that was, you know, the naturopath was a big, big deal for me. And I still work with him till today. Um, I think that probably improved my AMH as well the the quality of my eggs and such and then the other part was the emotional part so again like I said yeah I was a mess I was just a mess I, I recently told someone that I was just walking around like I was this inside of bubble that only I understood right so again that anger that just like I threw into the world and it would bounce into my bubble and like smack me right back in the face. And (laughs) so it was doing me no good, the sadness and the broken heart, all of that. And I was just walking around in this bubble that just had like infertility written all around it. Yeah. So that was that label that I put on myself was awful. So the, I did counseling. I did regular counseling, like with a therapist that was she was a fertility specialist, but just a sort of regular sort of mainstream line of therapy. Mm -hmm. That was good. She also gave me good um, techniques, I would say, uh, strategies to deal with my husband, like as a couple and stuff like that, which was really helpful. Then I did a spiritual coaching. So spiritual therapy, which was, again, it's like right up my alley. I know it's not for everyone, you know, but um, I believe in spirits. I believe that like uh, the spirit of our babies are going to choose us. I do believe in in those things. And I do believe in energy. Um, So, you know, if you cultivate positive, healthy energy, then that's what's going to come back. Sort of law of attraction kind of thing. I'm not a, I didn't really go into that too much with my therapy, but it's sort of, I believe in those lines of thought. So I did that, which was, she did like visual visualization meditations. Uh So I could take that to my own time as well. It wasn't just when I was doing things with her. Yeah. That Mm. was beneficial. So I just, you know, had this big sort of a platter, you know, of different yeah. strategies and resources that I had. Um, what else did I, oh, then, and then my meditation. So yeah. the meditation that I do is it's a Qigong. Qigong is a movement therapy, um, similar to Tai Chi, yeah, um, but, but different. And um, so Qigong and meditation and, and like energy healing is what I do. So I found this teacher through a friend and I really identified with it. His style of um, teaching is Korean Buddhism. Yeah. 
that's where his training and and um, from Thailand, he has training from Thailand as well. So um, yeah, I talk about it a lot, because it's what I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about realizing that like, you're not your thoughts. So everything that comes to you, like I had in the very beginning, and I couldn't get out of it, because it felt so true to me, right? Maybe I'm not deserving of being a mother. Maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm not, putting enough heart into these pile shots, you know, maybe I need to suffer this much. And, Mm. and you actually don't, don't. there are different alternatives and you definitely don't need to be thinking those things. So um, getting rid of that idea that everything that comes through your mind is true, which is not absolutely, but we do take it as truth always. Um, And then also like learning, like I said before, not to go into a downward spiral. So what he, what he, I'll do it just a quick little lesson that I find is so important and so simple. We never think about it this way, but your thoughts are just thoughts coming through your mind. They only become thinking when you get hooked on it. Right. Right. So if a thought comes through and you're like, oh, I'm not deserving of being a mother and you just, just let it go. That's it. That's fine. You're not bad for thinking it, thinking it. And you're not, it's not like, oh, I need to do more work because I keep thinking these things. No, it's fine. It's just a thought. Now, when you catch it and you start talking and you start spiraling with that thought of not being deserved or feeling guilty or shame or whatever it is, that's when that thinking becomes a story. And that's when we get angry and sad and we suffer unnecessarily. So those lessons, like, just changed my life. Amazing. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look into some of what you've highlighted. Yeah. Uh, again, like you noted, it doesn't have to work for everybody, but it works for you. And that's, that's amazing. And we're all yeah. different. And I think it's worth trying. You know, you see something that someone did, you're like, oh, you know what? I'll do it. I'll read about it. Yeah. Oh, you don't identify. Put it away. Oh, I'll do a class of this. You know, it's some people like yoga, some people like weight training, some people like Pilates, some people like CrossFit, you know, it doesn't mean yeah. one thing is better than the, the next. It's just different and you have to find, but if you're suffering, it's yeah. worth trying. Like don't sit in your little pocket or, or bubble of suffering. Like I was doing, it's just, it's not worth it. No. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Bianca. <laughs> now, if you look back, let's say, I don't know, um, 20 years ago, Bianca, knowing you all that you know now, with fertility, with, you know, um, all you've learned in terms of spirits, managing, like, you know, man- like managing emotions, meditation, everything you know now, looking back at 17-year-old Bianca, what would you tell her? Oh, such a hard question. I always joke, I would say, just have babies. <laughs> don't listen, don't listen to the old people. I know, right? Don't, don't wait until you buy I a was house. I'm so afraid of even moving next to a guy. Everything was like, oh, as long as you get closer, guy, you're gonna get pregnant. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, all jokes aside, I would um, to be quite honest, like I do, I always say now that I am very thankful for thankful, maybe grateful, maybe not mm-hmm. thankful, grateful for, for my journey and how much I grew. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't want to be 
a mother of that, that person that started when I started right. trying to right. be quite honest, I think I'm going to be a much better mother. Um, now both of us parents, um, yeah as a couple too, I think we'll be together as a couple much better now than we were, yeah. uh, we would have been when we started trying, mm-hmm. but at, but that young, like say late teens, early twenties, I think I would say, you know, it's worth um, paying a bit more attention to your body. Right. Yes. Yeah. Body and mind. I think yeah. those, yeah. And it doesn't mean, you know, you have to like not drink at all or not eat bread at all, but just being a bit more attentive yeah. to, to that. And um, yeah, I think that would be, that would be the thing. Not that I was like too crazy when I was that age, but I always wonder too, you know, yeah. finding out like that gluten sensitivity, like how yeah. much that affected my body. And then trying something like conceiving a child in your thirties, it's much harder if your body is that aggravated. Yeah. So I think something on those lines, you know, take care of your body and your mind. Mm. Yeah. Great. And if there is a quote (laughs) or word of affirmation that has helped you so far? I think not anything like in particular, but I think um, books did help me. Um, yeah, books. So technical books, like it starts with the egg. Yeah. That one. And also, yeah, great book. And also one that's called the better baby book was really helpful. Yeah. Very, very nice. Not, it didn't come from someone struggling, with fertility um, as much as someone that was really, really concerned about having a healthy body to conceive a child. And I love that one because it puts things in a spectrum versus saying gluten is horrible. Don't eat gluten. It just puts things in a spectrum and saying, okay, from, from worst to best, you know, in terms of um, protein, in terms of vegetables, in terms of um, gluten, not gluten, whatever, you know, I don't remember exactly. But that was a very um, helpful one. And, and I think then the the teachings um, that I just mentioned before, from my, my teacher, I'm trying to remember, I can always give you some titles of books now. Yeah. Um, uh, later, sorry, from that, that have helped. But um, I know, um, I always, I don't know how to pronounce, but Pema, Pema Kodron, I think is, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. So I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. But she's a a Buddhist uh, monk that that has written beautiful, beautiful books. And then the latest one, I'll say this one, because it was really, really good. It's called The Gift of Anger. And it was written mm. by Gandhi's grandson. Interesting. I just but- finished like last week reading it literally. And there was a few chapters, especially in the beginning where he talks about anger and how um, his granddad, how cool can that be? Seriously, be yeah. Gandhi's grandson. <laughs> um, and he lived with him for, for a bit in the ashram in India and how he talked about anger. Mm. It made me think of our community so much because we have so much anger, right? We have so much anger with different Mm. things. Like we talked about this last hour. Um, So yeah, so that was super insightful as well. Yeah. 
I'm going to check it out. Thank you for those. So now I know you have a podcast as well. And of course, yes. your Instagram account, Reason Awareness. Um, can you tell us how that came to be? Why do you start the Instagram account, the podcast, yes. and how can people reach you and connect with you? Absolutely. So yeah, Instagram is where I am most of the time. And I check it all the time as well. So if anyone wants to send messages and stuff, so myfertilityjourney.ca. And it started when I, I wanted to just post my writings. So I started posting on medium.com, which oh, is sort okay. of a community blog platform. Mm -hmm. That's where um, my writings are. And then I just wanted to get it out a bit more. So mm. I thought, oh, I'll just get this Instagram account and, and just post my the links right to my writings and talk about it a bit to spread it out and, um, and then share it also on my on my personal Instagram, which is at Bianca Bolissian. So that's how it started. And then it became more than that because I got really like into the community, yeah. which I didn't really expect. It wasn't my um, first thought yeah. and it's such an amazing community. So yeah, I made good friends like you and yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so excited. I'm so grateful for that, the people that I've been meeting. So then with that and the, you know, the writings and the Instagram and meeting people, I thought, you know, I think I want to, to start a podcast and, and that's what I did and we both started last year yeah. right, 2020 <laughs> during the lockdown <laughs> yeah exactly the year of projects launching yeah. <laughs> so that was that was pretty cool and I always wanted to do something that I could do from from home you know right yeah and you know like maybe when I have kids it's a project that I can continue and stuff like exactly. that so so yeah so my fertility journey life chats with Bianca Bolissian is the the podcast and, and that's where, yeah, I talk to people like us, you know, that are still waiting for their baby. Mm -hmm. And, and I talk to some experts in various different, um, not just like the fertility, like I right. interviewed my, my spiritual coach is really? there. Mm -hmm. um, a person that I met that is that had a fertility journey, but I actually met her because she's an advocate for um, clean beauty products. Oh, that's so wonderful. We talk, we talk about her journey, but we also talk yeah. a lot about that. And she had a lot of like great things and tips for people that are looking to clean their lifestyle. A friend of mine, nutritionist. So it's, you know, a little bit of everything there. And then yeah. I also read my posts. So I read my post. So it's a more of an audio form of the writing. Yeah. And then because I'm a, we were talking about this before we started recording, right? I'm a post sharer. So yeah. I don't share things live as much mm -hmm. like as right. they're happening. I write things and then I post afterwards. afterwards. So yeah. So the one I read um, last, um, last week is from the, from the trans, the end of the transfers that didn't work. Right. from 2017 so then it's very interesting because then I can reflect on it a little bit you know because yeah, right? it's been so long yeah so it's been it's been cool it's it's very emotional too to share as you know right to share yes. your journey mm -hmm. in such a, a vulnerable it's different when you write words and post it for people yeah. to read but when you're actually like using your voice and the emotion in your heart is it's a whole different ball game yeah it is I find my voice and always shakes every time doesn't matter how I try to be composed it doesn't happen yes. <laughs> I know yeah, yeah same here yeah so it's but it's cool it's very special I find to to have these recordings that are going to be there forever 
Exactly. And it will help yeah. someone, at least one person. And I know it's probably helping yeah. a whole lot more people than that. So yes, thank yeah. you so much for everything you're doing in the community and raising awareness and just blessing us with all this information. Because yes. in reality for infertility, it's a whole it's it's a whole body that needs to be looked at. So I like the whole holistic look. Yes, yeah. Right. And I I appreciate the space that you gave me to share my story. I know I talk a lot, but um <laughs> I, I and I am just so so grateful to have met you. I know, and, right? Thank yeah. thank you, Instagram. <laughs> yes. Now exactly. we're gonna go to Clubhouse and continue there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just keep on the conversation. Yes. yes. So yes. as a wrap-up, Bianca, any words of encouragement? For anyone listening or a couple listening who are also dealing with infertility? Yes, I, I always say the first thing comes to mind is always advocate for yourself. Yes. Like I mentioned back then, you know, don't feel like you're stuck somewhere. Um, don't give yourself a label. You're mm -hmm. not a label of one thing. You know, your fertility is just a part of your life. It's not your whole life. You're still so many other things. Um, if you feel stuck, then look for help. Like yeah. I took so long to look for help. And um, I had I had my journey to go through everyone does. But I think if you like if you're listening to this, and you feel stuck, just look for help, talk to people that you feel are like minded, yeah. that are not going to be like lack empathy, and just yeah. make you feel worse about your journey. So you know, the community, um, a therapist that's going to be um, impartial, you know, um, hopefully not say something stupid. And yeah. but yeah, don't be don't be embarrassed to look for help. We all need help. Love and it. then, and just know that it's going to, it's hard, you know, we don't have to be positive and all peppy all the time. That's another thing too, that yeah. like toxic positivity, you know, yeah. it's not, you don't need to be enjoying this hardship <laughs> because yeah. it's part of your journey, you know, yeah. oh, this is it. And it's exciting. No, it's not. It's very, very shitty a lot of the time. Yeah. So once you understand that and yeah. Just keep, keep moving on, you know, moving forward. You know, we don't move on. We say, right. We don't move on. Yeah. We move forward. forward. Yeah. That's a, love there it. you go. A quote for you all uh, to I finish. Love <laughs> <laughs> I love quotes, don't I? <laughs> we don't move on. We move forward. Move forward. I love it. Thank you so yeah. much, Bianca. It's been yes. amazing having you on here. You've shared so much information, so much words of encouragement, so much practical things that we can change and implement or at least explore. So that's wonderful. It's been a pleasure having you on here. And um, we hope that 2021 will bring you your desired outcome. Thank you so yes. much. Yes. Thank you too. Yeah. Right back at you. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.